Everybody, welcome back to Parenting Today. Uh, this, as you might remember, is our Thursday's thoughts section where we ask each other questions and we have no idea what the other person is going to ask us. Kurt continues to smile. He keeps telling me he did not do a fun fact on Tuesday because his fun fact and question for Thursday kind of comes in together. And so uh, I might end up asking him a question. I might not. But here we go, Kurt. Are you ready? Okay, well, I'm highly suspicious of the government, and here's why. Okay, John, here's my question for you before I give you my fun fact. What, where do you set your thermostat when you're at home, and where do you set it at night when you go to sleep? Give me a. Here's what's crazy <laughs> somebody mentioned this to me yesterday. Okay. Okay, okay so okay. when we go to sleep, <clears throat> excuse me, we bump the thermostat down, which I think is opposite of what the government is going to tell us. No, no, no. That's what they tell us to do. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we, we set it to, let me think, 73 degrees. Wow. When, when you're sleeping. When we're sleeping. So that means you have a higher, like, awake temperature. What would be, like, your average? What, do you, we, what would you we, we try to keep it around 75 during the day. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, I mean, we're in Mississippi, uh, so mm-hmm. people who are not down this way, you know, don't judge. But can I? Oh, please judge. <laughs> okay, ju- come down judge. Here and see yes. Okay, okay. There you go. Yeah. So tell um, us. Tell us, Kurt. Go ahead. Okay. So um, the 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 EPA. I don't know what you think about them, but they are the government, so I naturally just don't trust them. Um, the uh, the uh, I submit to them, Romans 13. I just also don't trust them. They, um, <laughs> anyway, they, their recommendation is, and you were right, actually. They do recommend bumping it up when you go to sleep. Their recommendation is 78 when you're at home, okay? 82 when you're asleep, and 85 when you are away. It's absurd. I mean, absolutely crazy. <laughs> where do these people live? Like, where? I Alaska is the EPA in Alaska. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what in the world? Could I mean sincerely? Just imagine. Try to think for a minute, Kurt. Laying in your bed, <laughs> eighty-two degrees in a pool of sweat. Yeah, I mean, absolute misery. There, there's no way I would sleep. I mean, it would be. I think I could sleep at seventy-eight. I think I could. Mm. I could I could get I could get used to that maybe, but I don't think so. I don't. I like it cold when I when I sleep. <laughs> yeah, but see, do you remember working at? We both worked at a camp that had no air conditioning at the cabins, and you managed to fall asleep then. And I bet the temperature didn't get. But I also had a fan blowing directly on me. Well, that's yeah. true. Well, you probably have that too in your house. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess maybe two fans. <laughs> Take that, EPA. Yeah. Two fans Look, and 73 degrees. I want to be clear here. I, I think we should do things to help the environment. I believe in conservation. I believe in like, you know, let's, let's you know, do whatever. I'm ready for the electric car, for the self-driving car. Let's do that thing, you know. Um, but also the world's not going to end in 12 years. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, the, the people who are saying that, these, these people are absolutely insane. And they've obviously never lived in the deep south if they think that that is tenable in my opinion. So obviously we keep ours a little bit lower than what they suggested too. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm all about, yes, we need to steward God's creation. Well, yeah. um, we can also rejoice in modern advancements in technology like air conditioning and worship the Lord. When we feel that cool, cool air blowing on us from our 
AC. Um, Kurt, what did what did you say you keep your thermostat on when you sleep? Mm, I didn't. Um, but uh, I'll say I think what I think we go uh, seventy five when we're there and seventy three when we're uh, asleep. Unless like a couple of days ago, it was like 105 and I think we dropped it down to like 72. The lowest it ever goes is when the youth come to my house because so many people are in there and it gets hot and we sure. drop it down to like 70 for a couple of hours. But Living um, on the edge. I know, I know. But it's just, it, you know, you cram 35 people into my living room, it gets pretty hot pretty quick. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm cold natured, so I actually like to bump it up higher. But even I think that what the EPA suggested is ridiculous. So um, my wife would just like, I don't know what she would say. <laughs> she, she would we probably couldn't say it on the air, right? Definitely <laughs> with, with that assessment of what the temperature should be. So um, anyway, I just thought that was uh, that was wild. Yeah, that, that's that's insane. All right, so Kurt. Today we're going to continue our discussion on parenting. So here's some music and we will continue that. Okay, everybody, uh, we are back. As we said on Tuesday, uh, we're going to talk about parenting. And you know, we started off <laughs> crackling oat bran and that led us into... This segment is brought to you by crackling <laughs> It's like gravel, but good for you. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that led us into kind of talking about diet and what we feed our kids. And re- really a lot of what we wanted to do with this discussion was, yeah, we want to talk about joys of parenting. And obviously scripture, as we talked about family time a couple of weeks ago, scripture is all about the institution of the family. This culture is absolutely attacking the family, redefining the family. Um, and so we want to talk about the pros, the good of family and the joys of family. But I think it's also helpful just as Christians to talk about some of the negatives, talk about the reality of parenting. Um, and yeah, to just remind each other that, you know, we're in the trenches, so to speak, and there are difficulties. There are, as we talked about, pressures that we all feel. And it can be helpful to voice those, to think about those, and just simply to be reminded that we're not alone. Uh, so, Kurt, do we want to pick up on, on some of those pressures and then maybe get into, you know, some of the other struggles of parenting uh, and then, you know, maybe on an encouraging note? Okay, so we're still doing struggles because I was ready with joy. I was ready for the, <laughs> um, I was ready for the, uh, go, go wherever you want to go. Well, I was just going to say that one thing that I think is really interesting about parenting is that, and I didn't, as a youth minister, I should have understood this earlier but the more that I become a parent, um, uh, the more that I become a parent, the more this becomes a parent. Um, nice pun. But uh, is that when people do kind things for your child or when, when someone is kind to your child, how wonderful it feels and how much appreciation you have for that person. And then to think about how that applies spiritually that, uh, you know, when we do kind things for God's children, how much joy the father in heaven must feel, um, that is that if you let yourself think about that for a second, it's a pretty neat feeling. And if you are a parent and someone has been really kind to your child in some way, you know, just how big of an effect that has on you. And just 
the motivation that that provides for us to love uh, the children of God who are around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, because we know that our, you know, we'll be known by our love that um, he desires that we love one another, that our joy might be full. So anyway, that's just one thought that I had. Um, And someone's nice to my kids. I really get excited. And that reminds me that of God's love for us. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And, and kind of going back to your comment on Tuesday, which I, I completely understand, but just the, um, having the the immediate love for your child right as they're, they're born. Like you said, the, um, there's kind of this awkward, <laughs> they look like Voldemort in your words. Um, and of course, you, you love your child, but it's this strange thought of, wow, this is this human that I've never met. And now this is mine and I am to care for this mm. this child. But it is kind of along with that of, uh, you know, again, just there's a new love that you have not ever felt before. There's this new kind of emotion that is uh, unleashed in a sense that that's just different. It's, it's hard to, I mean, it's kind of as I talk about my children and people will joke, Hey, who's your favorite child? You know? Um, and you'll say, you know, you love them all, but you love them differently and you love them uh, for you in unique ways because each of their personalities are unique. And so j- just the, the different, feelings, emotions, and yeah, there can be anger that you're like, wow, I did not know that was in there uh, when you get angry at children, but also in in the positive, wow, I didn't realize that joy uh, was present, that this child, this life has has unlocked. And so, uh, yeah, just the the depth of of love and joy uh, that children bring about in your life. Mm. And kind of like adjacent to that is... uh, just the joy that you receive when your child, I'm just thinking about like when your child works hard at something and they're, um, and that pays off for them in some way, whether it's getting a, you know, trying hard on their test or studying hard for their test and then making a good grade or, um, just the, that also reminds me that, um, there's that great scene in, uh, the, it depends on what order you read them in, but in the magician's nephew, which some people think is the first book of the Chronicles of Narnia, even though it wasn't the first published, but, uh, there's that great scene where, uh, Diggory, the little boy really wants one of these special apples from Narnia to heal his sick mother. And he's so upset about it. And he knows he doesn't think that he's going to be able to get one and he's crying about it. And then he looks up and Aslan is crying too. Um, and it just changes his completely, to, it, ch- it changes his perspective on Aslan, who's obviously the Christ figure in that. If you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia and listened to this podcast, I want to meet you. So, uh, because <laughs> anyway, for a lot of reasons. But anyway, um, and it just, it, it's a great reminder that God, you know, as the scriptures say, God uh, collects our tears in a bottle. Like, and that what hurts us and also what gives us joy is what hurts him and gives him joy. And that, uh, when you see your child achieve something that they've really worked hard to do. Um, I remember the first time Campbell scored a goal in soccer, right? And like, he was so excited, um, like so excited and just the joy. And he, you know, was, was not a great soccer player, you know, and so I don't think that's really his thing, but he did score a goal. When he scored a goal, he was just so proud and just so how happy, how your heart burst for them. And just think about how the Lord, 
um, celebrates with us. He weeps with us, but he also celebrates with us and he loves us. So that's another fun thing. I think that when you become a parent, it unlocks some new things about God as a father that maybe beforehand you didn't appreciate as much. 100%. Huh. And along with that, I mean, a thought that came to mind is just, and this might be kind of putting it in the negative first, but seeing my impatience with my children has helped me to reflect upon how patient God is with me. I mean, it is ridiculous just how quickly and easily I can become impatient. And I can, you know, repeat the phrase, how many times have I told you this? How many times have we had this conversation? And then it's like, that's what the Bible is. It's God repeating himself over and over and over again, right? From Genesis to Revelation, he's telling us one story, one message, and we continue to forget it. And so, you know, just I, I like uh, the word long-suffering instead of patience. You know, God is long-suffering in his love for his children, even though we're ignorant, even though, though we forget his love for us. And so, yeah, that, that's been such, uh, I guess, a theme and a truth that continues to come back to me um, as I parent my own children, uh, just thinking of how quickly I can get frustrated. And the Lord's humbled me with that. He's encouraged me with that. Um, but that's... Yeah, something, an aspect, like you just said, of our parenting that we've seen more deeply uh, when we have children. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, you stole that. That was going to be one of mine. But just like the idea of forgiveness and gentleness and just how un, how not gentle I can be with my boys, like, and um, when they don't do what I ask them to do or when they don't, when I feel like they're not really trying as hard as I feel like they should try. Um, and versus the way that God, you know, the scriptures reveal that God treats us, um, when we don't give our best effort or when we don't try. So I'm right. with you. Well, well, Kurt, maybe we can, um, since we've got maybe 15 more minutes left, maybe transition into kind of some practical advice on parenting. And again, what we've said multiple times, we're not experts on this podcast and we don't have parenting figured out. And so not necessarily tips. I don't know if we'd put them in that category, but Kurt, what are some of those goals that you, you know, aim for in parenting of, you know, if I've kind of thought about Kurt, when, when our children, Lord willing, grow up and become adults, what, what are some of the, you know, themes or mantras? Will they say, Oh, this was repeated all the time in our mm. household. And, and let's, you know, not focus on the negative ones. What are, you know, some of those goals you hope your children leave your house knowing, um, hearing from you repeatedly? And, you know, what are some of those you aim for? Even if you miss it, uh, you're thinking, okay, I at least want to try to impress this on my, my children's hearts. What, what, what's that? And obviously we know the gospel, okay? So, but elaborating on that a little bit. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that, one thing that I'm, I, I, I'm trying, I'm not good about this, but um, I'm good about it myself. I'm, but I don't know. I'm not really good at teaching it to other people, but I know how to do it, which is like I'm always telling my son, I'm try, my, my older son, I'm always trying to get him which, what I call read the room, which is like uh, it's really about like thinking about others before you think about yourself. That's, you know, but it's easier to just say read the room. It's just like, hey does it seem like mommy is stressed out and upset right now? Well, this is probably not the best time for you to ask if you can have ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, let's like, like think about what other people are before 
you know, and especially with their moms, you know, kids can be kind of like, well, you're here to serve me. I mean, they would never say that out loud or some of them might, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> you, you never know with that, but, um, you know, thinking like trying to think about others before you think about yourself and also like being like, Hey, you know, like, um, you, you want to do this. You want to go over to a friend's house and play, or you want to do this or that. But look, mama's on the phone and she seems like she's really upset about whatever she just learned on the phone. And, um, let's, let's work on like being able to discern that. I know that only comes with time and they're not always going to be good at it, but that's one thing that I have. It's like trying to teach my kids to think about others before they think about themselves by like just paying attention to other people's moods and, um, you know, the, the signals that people give when they're upset or they're hurting. So, yeah, that, that's good. I mean, that, that would be one uh, for us as well. I mean, I, I try to talk about the first should be last uh, oftentimes because, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're in a house where people are just, you know, pushing to get the, the meal first or pushing to get to the shower first or the toy first, whatever it is. And just, you know, reminding them, Christ saying the first shall be last, that if you are living for yourself, if you're living selfishly, it will not fulfill you. It will not make you happy. And so, yeah, I mean, so much so, I guess uh, the other day I was playing the Nintendo Switch with my five-year-old and we were playing Mario Kart, Kurt, and nice. one of your games. And Is it good? Oh, it's awesome. Yes. <laughs> I thought you meant the Switch version of it. No, no, I've, I play it all the time. Anyway, <laughs> Um, yeah, and I can't right now. <laughs> <laughs> See, I could tell you were looking down I'm on and, <laughs> and I, and I got first place and my five-year-old's like, well, actually you're last, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I don't know if he got the application Boom, as rushed. much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I grounded him. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's definitely, you know, a theme that we bring up. And, and I think another one is just, you know, Mommy and daddy are a safe place. Mommy and daddy are someone you can talk to. And, and related with that is just our family is going to be open. We're going to have conversation about stuff that might make you uncomfortable. Um, that, you know, we've said plenty of times our dinner table is a safe place where you can share and it's not going to be, um, you know, discussed outside of the house. It's going to be, you know, sometime as a family, we're going to talk about things that we're just not going to share with other people. But mm-hmm trying to kind of foster that to our children and trying to, to help them see, you know, mommy, daddy, we want you to come talk to us. Uh, we want you to confide in us. Uh, we know as you get older, you're going to start pulling away. You're going to have more independence. You're going to have peers that you are reaching out to and confiding in. But, you know, we want to try to get that message of, you know, come, please come talk to us and include us as you, you know, hear new things from your friends or are exposed to something you know, know that, that you can talk to us. Yeah. Um, I, that reminds me of something that a mutual friend of ours says a lot. Um, uh, always tell the truth, but don't always be telling it. Um, (laughs) uh, so, you know, like we want you to, we want you to say what's true, but doesn't mean that you have to run your mouth all the time. Um, and just because something is true doesn't mean it necessarily has to be said, uh, you know, in here, in the hearing of everyone. But, uh, I was going to say, if I could brag on some parents, um, in our church, uh, one thing, and this is younger kids, but this is one thing that we've tried to implement and maybe we haven't done it to the best of our ability is, um, uh, 
there's a family in our church that has several kids like you guys that, um, you know, more than a couple kids. And whenever they get in a fight over something that, um, the mom always takes away whatever it is and puts it up on the shelf. And she goes, um, you try, you love this thing more than you loved each other. Um, and the most valuable thing is your sibling, um, not this thing. So neither one of you will get it. We're going to put it away for like a week or for a couple days or whatever it is. But like just getting, like I, I talk to my sons all the time about how, like, I, I don't use the word lucky, but just like how blessed they are that they have a brother. Like I didn't have a brother. Um, I didn't grow up with a brother and how cool it is to have a brother because I want them to love one another. Cause at one point Marty and I are going to step off this mortal coil and we're going to go um, somewhere else, you know, like we're not going to be with them and, but they're probably going to be together for, you know, they're going to be brothers for their whole lives. And so trying to encourage that relationship and be like, isn't it cool that you have a brother? You're so talking to Campbell and saying, you're so, you know, to having a younger brother is so fun. It's like, you get to teach him all this and show him how to do this. And he wants to be just like you. And then telling Grayson, like, Oh, isn't having an older brother. Great. He shows you how to do stuff. He has cool toys that you can play with. And like, just trying to encourage those relationships. That's something that we're trying. We're probably not very good at it, but that's something that we're trying to do all the time. I tell my students how lucky they are to have siblings, like just how much their siblings shape them and make them better people. Even though lots of times they're annoyed by their siblings, there's a lot of squabbling that goes on. I always tell them, you know, I tell boys who have sisters, like you're going to be cooler because you have these older sisters. Like you're going to, they're going to go to college and they might be like in a sorority or something. And they're going to tell you what bands to listen to. And like, they're going to give you t-shirts, like old t-shirts. And you're, you know, you're going to seem like you're really with it when you have no idea what you're talking about. And I'll tell them, <laughs> I was like, you're so lucky to have older brothers. Like they're going to watch out for you. And now you know what boys are like and you're not going to be mystified by them or be as boy crazy as you would be. So there's all these, you know, there's, you know, it's great to have groups of sisters too, like, and those kind of bonds. Anyway, there, we try to encourage with siblings. We try to just encourage that as much as possible, like to really appreciate one another. So that's another. No, that's really good because, um, I, I've got a great relationship with my sister and I love my sister, but I tell my sons a lot, look, I always wanted a brother too. Not like, you know, replace my sister with a brother, but I always wanted a brother and I never had one and you two have each other and that's really special. And so, yeah, I think that's really good to give them that perspective and remind them of that. And I, I heard another one that comes to mind too, that, uh, we talk about a pretty good bit because we are a house filled with uh, sinners is the difference between saying, I'm sorry. And will you forgive me? Mm. Um, I'm sure that's one that, that y'all do as well. And most Christian homes have just, you know, we can sometimes just say we we're, we're sorry, but trying to kind of, you know, get children to dig down into their heart and to see, look, did you, did you intentionally sin against your sibling? Okay. Well then you need to use the words, Will you forgive me? Um, and you know, re- request it. Will you forgive me? It's just, it's such a powerful um, statement to be asking that of someone to 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 change the words because, you know, sorry is uh, unintentional. You stepped on somebody's toe. It was you know an accident. I'm sorry. I bumped into you. And so helping children see that and know that um, because it, it is. I mean, just think as they grow up and they're they they're using the words differently. Uh, will you forgive me instead of just, I'm sorry. It, again, is getting them down to heart level, seeing, helping them understand their sin more. And so I just think that's that's vitally uh, important. And, you know, along with that, Kurt, and again, just wanting to remind, we're not doing this perfectly. None of us are. But I think it is vitally important for 
the parents to lead the way on this and to be asking consistently, will you forgive me? Because we sin against our children all the time. We sin against our spouses. And if we are not modeling that to our children, if we are not saying that, not only will they most likely not be doing it as well. I mean, they'll have some trouble, I think, with understanding the gospel of forgiveness uh, when they're Fathers, their mothers are never asking for forgiveness. So I think it's it's important for us to be doing that. Mm. Yeah, we um, I t- we talked to I talked to my high school students about that a lot, and um, we uh, just this morning I was about to say, <laughs> just this morning we uh, we had to uh, you know we have a two year old and we're, he doesn't know how to say forgive yet, so but he does know how to say sorry, and um, but Campbell understands it. And, um, so Grayson walked up to him after he'd done something wrong and gotten in trouble about it. And he said, um, so, you know, you know, he says it in his baby way, but he says, sorry, Campbell. And Campbell said, I forgive you. And, uh, and gave him a hug. Anyway, when those kind of moments happen and those are few and far between, there's a lot more fighting and like yelling and all that. But, um, that that's really fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To see, to see them even at times where they're doing it on their own, you know, Mm -hmm. or even, you know, our, our youngest, Amber, um, has just kind of unprovoked will come up to me, come up to Ashley, come up to the siblings and just say, I love you. And it's just really sweet when you're not just having to force them or say, you know, what do you say? But just when, you know, you, you realize something in her little heart and her, her little brain moved her to say those words. And, you know, it's just it's precious to see that. Uh, Kurt, look, we're, we're going to start wrapping this up, um, and I know, excuse me, we're we're going to get to our kind of resource roundup section. The last five minutes of just sharing some kind of resource again could be a video, could be a song, could be a blog post, could be a book, uh, something that we've come across. It doesn't have to be related to our topic today. It could be. Uh, so, Kurt, do you have anything ready to go? Um, I did think of one for, for both of us I could ask, but do you have anything off the top of your head? Or I guess also, do you want to make any closing comments on well, parenting? Just, well, no, I was just going to say that last uh, last episode, your resource was um, the article from the guy in Skillet, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um I didn't realize that he was kind of responding. I went back and read that after you suggested it. And I didn't realize that he was responding to there's a guy in Hillsong that left not only Joshua Harris, but also there's some guy in Hillsong um, that has said that he has lost his faith. Um, Yes, that's right. I was just going to say, I went back and read that skillet. The the guy's named Jason or John. I can't remember. Are you you talking about the skillet guy? Mm -hmm. Um, I will look that up as you're talking. Yeah, but anyway, I went back and read the article, and I was really impressed with what he had to say. And um, I was just going to say, like, that was well worth the read, so thanks for that um, right off the bat. Yeah, I I will say, yeah, people should go and read that. It is good. And, yeah, Kurt, you forgot. I mean, he's your cousin. It's John Cooper. John. I knew it was – yeah, John Cooper. Yeah. yeah. I knew to start with a J, but, you know. um, So so John Cooper. Yeah, yeah, that's cogentchristianity.com. You'll find that. The, the title of the article is Skillets John Cooper on Apostasy Among Young Christian Leaders. And so, yeah, he called out Joshua Harris, but then also um, I was trying to scan this. Marty Sampson is the songwriter for Hillsong uh, that he's referencing as well, who has now denied the faith. Um, 
Kurt, one article that came to mind as you were talking mm-hmm. uh, is by Trevin Wax, and the title of the article, Kurt, Why You Should Read Narnia in Publication Order. Mm. So in light of you talk, telling everyone to read the Chronicles of Narnia, he has an old article. This is all the way back in 2013 on why you should read Narnia in publication order. It's at the Gospel Coalition, if you want to search. Um, he's got you know the date of composition written, and then he's got the chronological order listed, and then he's got publication order. So he's got all that laid out, and then he also uh, makes a case for why you should read it in publication order. So that's my resource I'm going to throw out. Um, you might have something else, Kurt. I also thought we would share maybe our fa- favorite parenting books. Mm. Okay. <sighs> See, you're you, going to be so much what, better at this did than you, I. Did you have another one ready? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I didn't have, I didn't have a, another uh, resource recommendation. I've read several things, but now none of them are coming to mind. I'm looking through my phone right now trying to find them. But instead of doing that, um, we can just keep going. You're going to destroy me in – can we name good books? Like it's not even remotely a competition. So See, here's um, the, here's the funny thing. One, I don't think I will Two, Kurt is a much better reader than I am. And he's read a ton. And so I've for, forgotten a lot. I'll tell you that. Well, I, yeah, I forget as well. Um, okay. I've said for a while, I think my favorite parenting book is gospel powered parenting by okay. William P. Farley. And every time I say that name, everyone thinks of Chris Farley, typically in Tommy Boy. But gospel-powered parenting. And, and secret on all of these, you know, it's also the the time in our life when they hit us. You know, books just hit us at different seasons and different time. And so for some reason, you know, as a youth worker, Kurt, I'd always said, okay, I always needed to be reading a parenting book and just kind of whittling through a parenting book, uh, whittling away at a parenting book, you know, especially... This might have been even before I had children. Um, I would start reading a parenting book uh, just to kind of help me uh, dealing with parents, partnering with parents, all that kind of stuff. But gospel-powered parenting is one. Um, you know, there's Paul David Tripp's Age of Opportunity is kind of mm-hmm. a classic. Uh, specifically, um, that one is dealing with uh, teenagers. Um, Ted Tripp's. Uh, what is what is that again? I just went like, shepherding a child's heart. Is yeah, that Ted but I was going to say uh, Paul David Tripp's um, "The Fourteen Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family." His parenting book is pretty good too. It's the one with the that's rocket a, horse on the front. That's a new one, right? Isn't it? Yeah, and it's okay. brand. It is new. Um, so that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. All right. So those are, yeah. If I had to pick just one gospel-powered parenting great book um there's probably like you said Kurt, some others i'm just not thinking of i do know god marriage and family by andreas kostenberger it's a really good book that has a lot and it's got some specifics in there um just where you can kind of use it as a reference book and go around to look at different topics and issues to be talking about but he covers a lot of ground in that one uh kurt anything else to add uh no um i'm excited um to hear how your fantasy team shakes out this year um yours yours too and i know everyone is on the edge of their seats to hear more discussion about that i know they they probably really are um we haven't had our draft yet but i always look forward to the draft are you um always the draft to me is the most fun part of fantasy football it's why absolutely yeah it's great so it's an excuse to get together with friends and you know make fun of each other for bad picks and then uh 
you know, and then it gives you a reason to care about NFL football because obviously I wouldn't care much about it otherwise. So, so, so I know we're closing this down, but do you physically gather with these people? No, not anymore. Used to. Um, but now, uh, distance and different jobs have made it an online experience, which is less fun. Um, when we did it in person and ordered pizza and, you know, like it was, and there were, we'd usually do it during a preseason game. So we'd have a game on the television and we'd all get together and do it. Um, that was like, those were, those are awesome. Um, so nice. yeah. yeah, yeah, again, unmediated communication, so much better than mediated communication, but that's, that's right. Yeah. But the thing is, the first time someone can't make it and they have to do it like over the phone, that's like the death knell of getting together because mm-hmm. then someone's like, oh, well, now, you know, so. Um, sure. And it's hard to cut away the time for something that is basically just like a game. But absolutely, yeah. I would argue that it's worth it. I would argue that if you give that time, you know, the couple of hours you have to do to do the draft together, that it, it pays off in the end, like with the enjoyment you get for the next, like, what, 16 or 17 weeks. So, absolutely, yeah. Well, Kurt, enjoyed having another conversation with you. Thanks to everyone who tunes in and checks out this podcast. We hope it's special. Thanks to Cracklin Oat Brand, <laughs> Kellogg's for making Cracklin Oat Brand. So, also want to can't forget our sponsors, John. Absolutely, yeah. So, look, we'll be back next Tuesday and Thursday for another episode of Parenting Today. See you guys then. See you then. <laughs>